This is Sound and Vision from KEXP. On December 15th, KEXP dedicated a day to playing music from artists we lost in 2022. For this next story, Larry Mizell Jr. reflects on the hip-hop artists we lost in what MF Doom has called the world's most strangest, most dangerous occupation. Larry not only remembers artists we lost this year, but he starts by reflecting back on the year 1996. I remember that year very well. It was the year I stopped living at home with my mom, the year I turned 18, and the year that Tupac was fatally shot on the Las Vegas Strip. As a hip-hop lover and listener, I was all too aware of the escalating tensions that led up to the moment, the media circus around the so-called East Coast, West Coast War, as well as the haunted death obsession that had increasingly pervaded Pac's music over the years. Six months later, when I caught the MTV News report that Biggie got killed, no doubt in retaliation for Pac, it broke me down to a degree I didn't really expect. The greatest rappers of the time dying violently, seemingly in front of all of our eyes. It just wasn't fair, I thought. Garth Brooks and Billy Ray Cyrus weren't out here getting killed in the streets. The murderers of Biggie and Pac were hip-hop's 9-11. Nothing was the same after that. It changed the stakes, set the tone, and frankly traumatized a generation. And a quarter of a century later, the biggest change is only how normalized it is for rappers to be murdered. It's normalized, period. Gun violence is an epidemic that we as Americans have chosen to live with permanently. And young black folks experience the highest rates of gun homicides across all demographics. But I'm looking at this list of rappers who died in 2022, and it's considerable. Depending on what list you look at and who you consider a rapper versus those who rapped occasionally in their music, it's anywhere from nearly a dozen to nearly two dozen names. From local rappers you've never heard of, to MCs on the rise who had literally hours before their death signed record deals, to a member of the most influential rap group of the last decade. And most of them were indeed shot and killed. A lot, if not all, of the rappers killed regularly incorporated gun talk, threats of murder, in their music. You know, since I started writing about hip-hop almost two decades ago, I've had to spend a lot of time eulogizing slain rappers. The dismissive responses I inevitably would get from readers often contained some variation of live by the sword, die by the sword. And I think it was lost on those people that those lost didn't really live by the sword, but actually made their living by the pen. It's just that they used that pen to reflect and lionize a community, which often had a whole lot of access to swords and little else. And while this wave of murders is by far mostly centered in the United States, it's also in England, France, 
Nigeria, Chad, Japan, India. I've long maintained that nothing exemplifies the real truth of America like rap music, warts and all. And it just seems to me that American culture, poisonously individualist, self-interested, materialist, predatory, capitalist, gun-obsessed, is contagious as a virus. Those that weren't murdered fell to suicide, overdoses, organ failure, likely due to abuse of drugs, and motor accidents. With the occasional death from COVID or heart attack, just far younger than one would expect. R.I.P. to Coolio. The drama king K. Slay. Hurricane G. All that reminds me of the title to open Mike Eagle's 2011 album Rappers Will Die of Natural Causes, a statement which shouldn't sound novel or unexpected, but somehow very much does. Rappers will die of natural causes. Hip-hop's middle age, the first rapper started young as Little Wayne. It's been three decades since the rhythm came. Original rappers are entering the brittle stage. Twelve years later, it's still somehow almost unthinkable to imagine that I'm going to live to see my hip-hop heroes age like Willie Nelson, Joni Mitchell, or Bob Dylan. So that said, rest in peace to the fallen and love to their family, friends, and fans. Here's just a partial list, a tribute to just some of those we lost in the year 2022 in what the late MF Doom called this world's strangest, most dangerous occupation. R.I.P. Wavy Navy Poop. It's gonna be a murder. I ain't got no time for a robbery. Four holes in you like an Audi. We be in the trenches. Catch the lock and leave them limping. Really n***ing like I'm fishing. No need to mention that them G-Locks got extension. Knock down if he tripping. T dot woo. Like, quote, we slide on they side and we scream it out like, quote, they won't do it again. Hit that nigga and his friends like, quote, Snooty Wild. I done got it out the mud. That's that they made. That's that they made. That's that they made. I done got it out the mud. That they made. Ricky Rick. Pat Stay. Dear Slim, I wrote you when you still haven't responded. Pat Stay called me out. I got scared and blocked him. I never meant to hurt you, but tonight I'm cleaning out my closet. I keep that little Desto. Jada Youngin. Archie Eversoul. Sidhu Muswala. Lil Key. Rob 
Rakim Hashim Allen, aka PNB Rock. I want to order myself. You don't need nobody else. Before the Philly-born rapper PNB Rock had turned five, his father had been murdered. Before he turned 20, he'd been sentenced to a stint in prison. Scant years later, he'd start releasing music, attracting the attention of major labels, eventually collaborating with the likes of Young Thug, A Boogie, even Ed Sheeran. He was only 30 years old when he was shot and killed at the South LA location of the beloved LA restaurant chain Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles. The gunman walked up to his table while he was eating with his girlfriend, pointed a pistol at him, and demanded his jewelry. Allen's girlfriend, who had a two-year-old daughter with the rapper, told the BBC that PNB Rock shoved her under the table during the ensuing argument right before the killer shot him inside the restaurant and fled. Three people have since been arrested in conjunction with this murder, and make it worse as if that's even possible they're a family of three a man his spouse and the man's 17 year old son who's suspected to be the shooter senseless tragedy begetting senseless tragedy i don't think there's an la native worth their dodgers cap that doesn't have at least a deep familiarity with roscoe's if not an indelible love for it. I've eaten at at least three of their locations and I rarely go back home without visiting one. My mother even worked at one of them in the 80s. So it's as close to home and bound up in my memories as Ivers is to a native Seattleite. The fact of this murder is horrible. The details even worse. But I'd be lying if I didn't admit it's the thought of a murder occurring in the Roscoe's dining room during the lunch rush it makes it even more of a gut punch to my system. R.I.P. Kershnik Kari Ball, a.k.a. Takeoff. One third of the Migos, easily the biggest rap group of the last decade, whose influence has been inescapable. The Migos are literally family, with the other two members being Takeoff's uncle Quavo and his first cousin once removed, Offset. The Migos changed the sound of rap in the early 2010s. When Drake hopped on a remix of Migos' breakout hit Versace, the taste-making MC made a statement by copying their signature staccato triplet flow, somewhat akin to Biggie rapping like Bone Thugs in Harmony on their song Notorious Thugs. Now, that triplet flow had been used on wax since the heyday of Public Enemy's Chuck D. However, Migos managed to popularize it in rap's modern era to such an extent that it literally became known as the Migos flow, with an entire generation of rappers seemingly adopting it as the standard, causing fellow MCs and fans to argue about its ubiquity on the regular. The flow became the Migos' go-to mode because of Takeoff, by most accounts, and he was regularly celebrated as the best lyricist and MC in the Migos by fans, contemporaries, and even his groupmates. When Takeoff didn't record a verse on their number one hit, Bad and Bougie, 
raindrops. Drop top, drop top, smoking on cooking the hot box. That itself became a meme. What'd you say? You say I'm left off bad and bullshit? Yeah. Do it look like I'm left off bad and bullshit? What'd you say? Do it look like I'm left off bad and bullshit? Nah. I mean, it don't look like it. Yeah, 500 on the chain. Not no game. That's one thing I like. It's hard to overstate the cultural footprint of Takeoff's group. They racked up hits, popularized slang, and collaborated from everybody from Justin Bieber to Katy Perry to, yes, Macklemore. The Migos weren't the only reason everybody was hitting the dance move known as the dab, despite claiming to have invented it a few years ago. But I kind of doubt that we would have seen Hillary Clinton hitting the dab on the 2016 campaign trail without Migos' 2015 single, Look at My Dab. Yes, sir. So how did it come about? Dabbing is really swag. You know what I'm saying? Dabbing is like, look at my dab was like, look at my swag. That was a new word for swag. And then people took that one word and made it a whole dance and kind of made the word dab Uh be a dance. Look at my dab. 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 At the end of the day, their youngest member was shot and killed in Houston at 2.30 a.m. outside of a Houston bowling alley where there'd been a party. Houston police said the shooting occurred after some of the party played a lucrative dice game and an argument broke out. HPD Sergeant Michael Burrow said takeoff was not the target, but an innocent bystander, unarmed, not involved in playing in the dice game, nor in the argument that happened because of it. And without so much as a roll of the dice, he's gone. R.I.P. Mariel Samante Orr, a.k.a. Trouble. My personal favorite MC on this list. It was gun violence that claimed the 31-year-old rapper's life, of course. But it wasn't gang violence, randomness, or street politics that claimed his life. He was apparently killed in his sleep, shot while in the bed of a female companion by her ex-boyfriend. Of course, I couldn't help but reflect how the threat of death and the ever-presence of guns explicitly colored his music from the very start. I first saw the video for Trouble's song Bussin' over a decade ago. And I'm pretty sure my brother Ishmael put me onto it. It featured what seemed like every male from Trouble's block that was over 13 years of age, brandishing a gun at the screen, holding one, or just showing one poking out of their waistband. So yeah, it was kind of jarring, since it was before that became such an everyday sight in videos and on social media, depending on what your algorithm shows you. It kind of gave me the same chill I got from Tupac's Hit Em Up back in 1996. I listened to the rest of his debut mixtape December 17th. I was impressed. I played him on Street Sounds on this very station after I edited a couple of his songs. Since then, he went from underdog to one of Atlanta's most respected and consistent MCs a prodigious, principled, southern rap traditionalist with a fearsome street pedigree and reputation that absolutely emanated from his songs and videos. I know a lot of folks that are hearing this know that all of this is terrible, but murders of rappers are not necessarily something that they're talking about at their dinner table or with their loved ones. In the case of Trouble, 
I think of a really good friend of mine, a huge fan of his, that after his 2018 album, Edgewood, often joked to me that she was moving to Atlanta to get into some trouble, if you will. I knew I needed to check in with her as soon as I heard the news. When I called her that day, she was heartbroken. Not only by that loss, but of course by the reminder of the inescapable specter of black death. Her voice was flat. She couldn't really talk about it. She said she'd call me later that week. Things like that make it personal, close to home, as well as the fact that most of these people don't look any different from my cousins, my young homies, and cats I wrote about for a living for years. I don't know what the answer is. I don't even know what the question is. Maybe it's because there's so many. Like, how did we get here? How can we fix it? What happens when you take a people and try to strip everything away from them and build the wealth of the entire Western world on their back and lock them out of it? What happens when you conspire to murder their leaders and plunge the places they're allowed to live into ruin and then incentivize them to poison each other? Would the culture that results look anything like this? I defer to the great Syl Johnson, who passed away this year. He had a question that gets at the heart of all of it. I wonder, is it because I'm black? Oh, somebody tell me what can I do? Will I survive or will I die? That was Larry Mizell Jr., and this is Sound and Vision.